Hey everybody, welcome to the Creative Processing Podcast. My name is Joe Gordon-Levitt. The idea of this show is to have a conversation about the creative process. That conversation is spawned by one single question, uh, and that question comes from you out there on the internet, and then I find a guest, or uh, in the case of this episode, two guests, that I think will be particularly good at answering that question, and uh, then we talk for a while about doing creative things. This week, the guests are Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. You might know their movies, Pineapple Express, This is the End, Neighbors, they wrote Superbad. Uh, I was in a couple movies that uh, they made, 50-50 and The Night Before, Sausage Party, uh, they recently produced a movie that just came out, uh, Good Boys. They're also venturing into the entrepreneurial space with their company Houseplant. Uh, it's a cannabis company. And despite being incredibly funny, they're also very, very smart dudes. And I think perfect for this question because of their partnership and the way that they work with other people. So the question this week comes from Pretence Martin Southwell from Springfield, Illinois. The question is, have you had people you didn't get along with personally turn out to be good to work with professionally or vice versa? Now, I thought Seth and Evan would be particularly good at answering this question because, first of all, they're they're just incredibly collaborative. It's the two of them. They do not everything together, but the vast majority of their creativity and work is done as a duo, as this partnership. So I wanted to hear about how they make that work. How do you have not one person, but two people directing a movie? How do you figure out a disagreement? How do you, you know, make that partnership work together? And how do you know that this person, as opposed to any other people, is the one that you really ought to be collaborating with? And they also, they're not just collaborative with each other. They're very collaborative, I can say, because I've been on a few of their movies. They're very collaborative with everyone. And they surround themselves with sort of a consistent circle of people that they work with over and over again. And they're friends. It seems like these are, you know, these are two people that really work with their friends. And just, I think they have a great approach to interpersonal collaborative relationships. So I thought they would be really good at answering this question. So uh, let's play it now. Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Okay, uh, Seth and Evan, thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. So the way that we are talking about doing this show is to start it with one question. Great. The question comes from the internet, and then that can spawn whatever we end up talking about. All the best things are from the internet. (laughs) Joe's found good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) You might might be one of the only ones. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so this question is from uh, Pretense Martin Southwell. That's a great name. Pretense? Pretense. P-R-E-T-I-N-C-E. That's a cool name. Uh, He's from Springfield, Illinois, and he asks... Have you had people that you didn't get along with personally turn out to be good to work with professionally or <laughs> vice versa? So, yeah. Oh, yeah. The answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a, there's, a lot of ways, there's a lot of ways to go at it. Uh, one, which is the more like just professional attitude is like sometimes like I just got to do my job. And so if it's someone I really dislike – and I'm saddled with them yeah, in a creatively true. collaborative environment. Yeah. I just have to do my job. And sometimes that means tolerating a person I would rather not. I'd say there's and like sometimes two you have to stand up for yourself and not allow that to occur. And it's right. a, 
almost unspeakable fine balance that's a case-by-case person when you have to work with someone you personally don't. Exactly. But I also think it's like there's two categories of yes to that answer, I think. And one is like, are there people you keep working with that are like that? Or are there people (laughs) that you like find yourself working with that are like that? Like I think – and then Every, you get out of the situation. Exactly. As soon that, as you can. Yeah, you just kind of like knuckle down. And you're like, "Well, this sucks, yeah. but we'll never have to do it again." You right, know. Right. Um, and, and I suppose we have the ability to make sure that doesn't happen yeah. again more than most people. In but their I careers. do think that there's some people in my life where the thing that we have the most fun doing is working together. Yeah. There and you go. so it's not like. We don't get along socially. It's like, yeah, we have like an okay time when we go to dinner together, when we go like to a museum <laughs> together, but we have like a really good time when we're on set together or when yeah. we're writing something together, or when we're, you know, trying to come up with an idea together. And I think like there's like a, a really strong desire to like separate like work and social. But I think like we've spent a lot of our lives like really blurring that line in a way that like I don't think they're two different things necessarily. And I think that like we spend so much of our lives on sets and and writing and making and at working basically that you have to, if you want to have like a full and fulfilling life, you have to find ways to like integrate the two things, which is what we do. And I think like there are some people where it's like, yeah, we don't go out to dinner much and we don't hang out. We don't do things that many would consider social, but our work relationship is entirely predicated on the fact that we like each other and that we get along and that... You're talking about um, me and you right now. In some ways, yeah, honestly, yeah. (laughs) We can just say Joe this whole time. (laughs) Well, that's the truth. I mean, the truth is, yeah, like, we, we, like, we hate, like, we see each other sometimes, but the truth is, like, we we work really well together. And I have a lot of, and and the truth is, like, you have a family, I have a family, like, we have other things, we have other interests, like, if we were both to list, like, the ten things we want to do with our Sunday, like, maybe there's some overlap, but it's probably not the same top three things yeah. necessarily, you know, but but Monday, but Monday, yeah, exactly, <laughs> Monday. and like this, honestly, yeah. Yeah. like to me, like this is like, like, is this work? No, like it's we get to hang out, we get yeah. to like, no, yeah, yeah. I was like yeah. pumped that my yeah. morning was this, yeah, and the afternoon is all work. No, it right. just seems pleasant. Yeah, but it's, I think it's, it's all exactly. it, there's an attitude thing that's good to have that we do where like sometimes we work with our true deep friends, but most of the time I'm super excited if I'm working with someone who I'm even friendly with. Yeah. Like, I don't need them to be my friend. If I, like, am somewhat friends with someone at work, that's incredible. Yeah. Most people just work with people they hate, I think. Yeah. yeah. Do you think it's possible to do good work if it's someone you really just aren't getting along with, though? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not ideal. Yeah. It might not harder. be the most pleasant. It's for sure harder, I think. Um, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Things being harder don't necessarily, again, make the result worse. Like, yeah. there, like there are some movies we've made that are really hard, and you watch them, and you're like, oh, it seems effortless. But uh, it, it, they have to offer – I'm trying to think. Like, again – it goes back to like, would you keep doing it more to me is yeah. the question. Like there are people that I've worked with where you're like, this isn't an ideal scenario, but it will be fine. Well, like, well, you well know. there's the total flip side of what we've already said, which is sometimes there's someone who I love personally and I think is so talented professionally, but I prefer our personal relationship. So I cease working with them. That yeah. is also a thing. <laughs> that happens that, a that, lot. That, that's where I'm just like, yeah. I really like you. You matter to me as a friend. So yeah. I'm not going to work with you. Right. Because it's and hard I've, working with you. And yeah. I've never regretted it. Because they're unreliable or 
something you can't just because yeah. I value my friendship more, and there's something about the work relationship that sullies the friendship side. Yeah, and if they're a real friend, it's not worth it. So it's not necessarily true that if you're close personally with someone, you'll work well with them. Not no, at all. Not at right? all. I think the opposite a lot of the times as I well. Mean, like, I mean, like I like. Seth uh, and me and a whole group of guys were good buddies in high school. And, like, yeah. even though I was deep friends with all these other guys, he was the only one who I was like, we can work together. That's interesting. Yeah. So it wasn't just the personal connection that led you guys to collaborate. No, it there was, was, like, an ambition, I think. Yeah. That's and, like, very – like, we both yeah. were, like, very into Pulp Fiction at that moment. Yeah. So yeah. It mattered a lot Tell to us. Tell the story. I think that's, that's a good uh, jumping-off place because – you guys have a long-standing relationship that is both personal and professional. Where did it begin? How did it go? Uh, I mean, like we saw each other around in Vancouver, but didn't know each other. And then, we, yeah, the and Jewish then, and community in Vancouver isn't huge. It's so not, we it's kind not of so like, big. Yeah, <laughs> um, but we met in bar mitzvah class pretty much. Okay, and, and <laughs> I dropped out of bar mitzvah class. I, uh, you, oh. I'm glad we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have a bar mitzvah in the no, end? No, I didn't. My my older brother had it, his bar mitzvah, and by the time I was 12, I was like, "Mom, Dad, I'm an atheist. I don't yeah. believe in this. I don't want to do this. These teachers, I don't like the teachers." And I, I, don't I get do this. that. Yeah. It, yeah, it was. It wasn't. I mean, the best part was that you got invited to the bar and bat mitzvahs of everyone in the bar mitzvah class. So right. for a whole year, every weekend, we went to bar and bat mitzvahs, basically. Yeah. And that's like when we became friends. Right. So like, I grew up in the San Fernando Valley, which yeah. is just crawling with Jews. Lots so Jews. I went to lots of bar and bat mitzvahs <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We didn't have like that conduit, but we became friends like at. Julia Marinus's yeah, Julia Marinus's very specifically is where us and our buddy Sammy Fogel, who we kind of mock as the McLovin character, yeah, you've met, uh, (laughs) yeah, the three of us formed like a really tight friendship there, and then it took about a year before we decided to write Super Bad. What we did is we got Seth's family's camcorder. Mm-hmm. And he had his dad had every Star Wars figurine. Yeah, we started uh-huh. making. So movies. we started making a spoof of Spaceballs, which is the stupidest which thing is we could possibly we, do. We that started, doesn't even make sense. We started from a meta place, right? Spaceballs, which we is a spoof making, of Star Wars. Yes, yeah. We were making, and we, a, and we made a like a satirical take on Spaceballs. <laughs> and, and, and I'd say we made an eight-minute short starring me, directed by Seth, that we uh-huh. just ended because we got bored. Then we yeah. filmed one minute of a Reservoir Dogs, oh, like spoof. a Pulp Fiction yeah. spoof, and then we were like, <laughs> maybe, maybe. We're not the best at this. Let's try we writing. Should, we yeah. had a, that had a funny scene. I remember that we filmed that it was making fun of the gold watch scene from Pulp Fiction, but it was an heirloom, like a giant menorah. <laughs> and the whole joke was like, I shoved oh, this, like this was up my ass for years as I was escaping like the Holocaust. It's a good a physical gag. It was a, it was a funny joke. I think that's I a better say. comedic idea than it, I ever it, had it, when yeah. I was thirteen. <laughs> it combined bar mitzvah class. Yeah, exactly. Film had a Holocaust slip. I made it. a bunch of videos like that with with my friends at that age as well. It's great, and you don't get to edit them, so you have to you shoot them. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The record button order. was like <laughs> very specific time. I remember we spent like <laughs> a weekend figuring out how to put text on the screen yeah, 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 because yeah. you couldn't edit it and had to do it in camera. And, and realizing we could rewind to do other takes was yeah, like exactly. a big evolution. Yeah. Where you're like, we can't go back, but we can just we can at least redo this one like ten second chunk, basically. So my friends. <laughs> Dad came up with this really fun, funny, I think, way to put music on these videos, which is worth talking about because it's so funny that it was that hard back in the day. Yeah, to put we, music we tried on to put video. music in them, I remember. Okay, yeah. so this is what he had us do. We we made the video yeah. and then we dubbed it to VHS. Yeah. 
<clears throat> then we played the video on VHS <laughs> and used the camera yeah, to, to shoot film the screen it with music yeah. with a boombox playing. <laughs> we probably did something similar <laughs> to that, or like had like headphones. I vaguely remember putting like headphones around the microphone of like the speaker and stuff like that. Like, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, that was, it was. But so yeah, we started doing that when we were thirteen. Yeah, and basically. then essentially we would watch movies all the time as normal teenagers, and then just take that and use it to help us write super bad over the next decade. But it was one of these things also where, like, looking back, there was this like very lucky thing that turned out to be like hugely influential in our lives, which is our high school was directly across the street from two. Video stores, uh-huh. giant ones, uh-huh. a Blockbuster and a Rogers. And so they were competitive with each other because they were literally, weirdly, like directly across the street from one another. And they like needed different niche And so things. they would all, oh. come, they would always be coming up with these deals. And one of them, Blockbuster, eventually came up with seven movies for seven days for $7. Okay. So every weekend we would rent seven <laughs> movies. But, so, yeah. but, but, but some movies were excluded. So it was mostly the shittier movies. Yeah, it wasn't, okay. you, but it couldn't be new releases. Releases. Yeah. So it was only so we got really into like cult movies basically at the time right. and we would rent movies purely based on the covers. And it's also it's also important to know that being raised in Canada, specifically Vancouver at the time, they never asked us once how old we were. Yeah, you they know, just yeah. rented it was like a very you liberal anything. philosophy towards renting things. So we rented a ton of we became obsessed with like uh like Sam Ra- like Evil Dead and and horror. We watched tons of horror. We kinda went through all we like went through like a documentary movies, phase. action right. movies. We started watching art films. I remember we, we rented like Bad Lieutenant <laughs> And we yeah. started renting like, and another thing was there was this Lee channel Marvin. called Showcase that like showed like art films from all over it the It showed, world. I'll never get it. When we were kids, it showed Lolita. Yeah. Oh, things like the Stanley yeah. Kubrick one? Uh, no, I think maybe with, the with Jeremy, Jeremy Irons, Irons one. Like, uh, they, they're both great. Yeah, and, both. But they're, they're both different. Not to be played on television. No, the Jeremy Irons one in particular. Yeah. Quite, yeah they, uh, and like we were just like, we watched the Larry Sanders show and then Lolita yeah, came on. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. And wow. that's the other thing is like we were obsessed with, in Canada, like comedy is like a thing that is like lauded. Like Canadians are proud of their comedic, you know, kids in the hall and things like, like that. The Just right. for Laughs Festival is like yeah. a truly embraced thing. Right. In, Canada, the, in French Canada, they have like their own traditions of comedy. Canadians are not very, proud very of proud much, of. but comedy is one thing. Right. Canadians <laughs> are like, I've allowed, given themselves permission to take pride in. But yeah. so when you're renting this wide variety of movies, is it just the two of you or are there other, other and, people? And Fogel. Well? And Fogel. There was one the other. The three guy. of you. Okay. We'd have like, we'd have people like dip in and out sometimes. Yeah. Like we yeah. were, we were not like super popular per se or super unpopular we just kind of were roamers but were you aware that the two of us are pursuing this in a different way yes. than some of these others that are that are more casually watching these for movies? for sure i think we like yeah we we started writing a movie like we we would like go home after school and people were like what are you doing we're like we want to we're trying to write a movie like and uh, when you would watch these movies it was in the context of this is helping us write our movie it to just n- not not but we weren't that intelligent about it we were just watching movies but then it would just give us infinite fodder to be like whoa that thing we saw in that weird horror movie Silent Night Deadly Night maybe we could do a funny version of that over here or something like that yeah and we were a big fan of also like like independent film at the time in the mid 90s was like really having a moment which which, which really added into like the style of our writing and the dialogue like Clerks was really influential to us and I think like our dialogue is kind of like 
influenced by that and Pulp Fiction and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And Swingers. Swingers was something we loved. And, and, and Kevin Smith also in general just showed that like loving comics and kind of like things that we were into were things that you could make a full movie out Well, it was also uh, like referential. Like that's what Pulp Fiction and, 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 and Clerks kind of started to do, which a lot of what we liked was like they would talk about Burger King and McDonald's and Star Wars and things that were like in our world and that wasn't like as big a part of comedy in like the Jim Carrey kind of right. era that was preceding all that where it was like performative more yeah. than like conversational you know and I think we really responded to like this kind of more grounded conversational like comedy that was happening at the time. Yeah. I remember doing fun like comedic playing around stuff, making videos and stuff with my friends at like that kind of adolescent age and noticing some people want to stop after an hour and yeah. I, I, I want to keep, keep going. going. Yeah. I want to like finish this. Did you notice that kind of thing? Well, it was... Oh, some, yeah. I mean, well, no, because no one even slightly... People were just like, you two are idiots. Well, Fogel... Yeah. Bro, <laughs> you're well, wasting a lot of your own yeah, time well, for like, nothing. With Fogel, we had to, like, beg him to be in one of the things just because we needed another person. Right. And there was no sense that, like, and I'm going to keep doing this with you. It was hey. like, I'll do this once. Don't so tell you can, anyone. So you can finish your thing, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. And, like... Uh, but what's funny, actually, is like Kyle Hunter, who you know, yep. um, who is a writer and producer that we've worked with for years, he was kind of the opposite in that like whenever we would hang out and joke around, he was the one that we were like, he's funnier than all of us. Uh-huh. and. And he, but had, he was he was cursed with being handsome, so the cool kids liked him, yeah, exactly. and, so, and so he didn't have as much free time to yeah. do stuff. <laughs> wasting his time doing cool kids. And he also, yeah, and he and and he was from like a, maybe like slightly waspier uh, background, uh-huh. which maybe wasn't as supportive of like taking big leaps or just you know I think it wasn't a, a culturally a part of where like from such a young age also because I started doing stand up around thirteen also my parents were just like go yeah take risks do whatever you want big swings you know and I remember like we had to convince Kyle to try to become a writer and same with uh, Ariel Shafir we had to be like you guys are like we're around funny people all day and like you were the guys who want to stay around and keep doing this stuff but you're like going to law school for some reason right and like which could have if they didn't end up with careers we they'd be going around being like oh I remember when Seth and Evan ruined my life by convincing me to drop out of law school yeah exactly (laughs) but it was Kyle it was grad night from high school where we just like cornered him and we're like you should do this it literally was and 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 it took like another six years for him to like it was I remember like having like a drunken conversation with him like the night we graduated from high school and I already lived in LA and was doing Freaks and Geeks and like came back for graduation just to like hang out basically and I remember being like drunk being like you should be a comedy writer like yeah. you just should do this like and then and then I think pretty much he Ariel like to a lesser degree but also similar we were like you should do this too yeah. and then Kyle was just like I don't want to do this alone and then I think he like pulled Ariel in and they formed their team yeah, yeah. it was interesting but yeah and we, they're a great team they're, they're really good. effective oh, yeah, and they're great at what yeah. they do yeah so yeah we tried more than anything it's weird how many people like did it like from our high school especially you know um 
it's super strange that we. That well, I think, but I think there. it goes back to one of the things that motivated us, which is it's it may not seem huge, but like they filmed a couple movies in and around our school while we were going to high school. Yep. And we just saw people on set, and I was like, those look happier than people in the bank. Yeah, exactly. Right. Those yeah, people yeah. seem to be really chatting it up and having donuts. This seems kind of pleasant. <laughs> well, it is like, yeah, you would see movie people, and it is like, it's still how I feel like people come to film sets who have traditional careers, and they're like, oh, everyone's like wearing shorts and whatever the hell they want, and they're just like a group of like tattooed weirdos for the most part on True. a lot. Of, and like, you see like, oh, this is like 100% acceptable. These people are considered professionals at the top of their field. I think like we could see that even just around to be like, oh, you can have a life in that environment. Like, right. and, and I think more than I want to admit, just seeing the craft service and and, <laughs> yeah. and, and food tables. Oh, I gained really like thirty like, pounds right when we started doing. Uh, oh yeah, yeah but the other side of that, I suppose, is just to say. <laughs> Making movies is not the same as going to the theater and watching movies. In that no. you do have, it's work. Like you have to work hard at it, and then I mean, there's yeah. times where you're like, "Oh, I don't feel like doing this," or "I'm tired," and you have to keep going. And yeah. I mean, the hours are an awful, awful thing. Like the amount we work on films, I will admit, is just terrible. Right. It's just so long. But that wasn't uh, dissuasive. No. I mean, that's not a good enough reason to not do... I agree. And I, I actually <laughs> kind of enjoy long-ass fucking days. Like, well, there's, there's something... Like, there, there's I don't a know if pleasure. It's, it's kind of like or... summer camp where, like, you're all in it together and the yeah. mania... Like, there's always this point where, like, it reaches, like, the 15th hour of shooting <laughs> yeah. and then everyone goes crazy, but yeah. it's delightful. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. given the choice, I would cap it at 10 hours. Yeah. <laughs> French hours. Do you think that there are things that... that um, to do with how you collaborate when how you collaborated when you were really young that persist today yeah well i i think what what is so valid is that like we formed our working style together in a lot of ways right. so i think we learned how to be writers together you know um and so i think that was helpful because it it was actually the argument we made uh, when, when when we made this is the end we tried to join the DGA and ultimately did as a writing or as a directing, directing team, team but right. they weren't going to let us do it and that was one of the reasons that we explained we were like you're not not allowing two people to team up you're taking two people who probably can't do this without yeah. each other <laughs> yeah. and pulling them apart cuz like we naturally filling each other's gaps because it was like literally mentally as teenagers like formative years yeah so i think we're doomed to be together forever yeah. there, so you guys haven't done any we have projects apart no we, we have. have we have but um, not a lot and as directors we're not allowed to but and in the other careers we are allowed to but we just haven't done much apart he's done a few movies without me i've written right. and rewritten a few things without him he's written a couple movies without me but it's just not not, not not that much in the grand scheme of it. Right. Yeah. Again, it's not like it, it feels weird because it's not like what we like what I know as writing is writing with Evan. You right, know, and right. like that's not to say you can't do things that are not that, but it's just not like the base level of our operational kind of uh functionality. For most people who didn't find their, like, creative soulmate when they were uh, kids. Yeah. But I bet there's a lot that we could learn from how you guys do interact and collaborate. Here's, here's like, one question. When you disagree, yeah, how do you handle that? Because I think that's got to be one of the hardest things. If you're 
making something with somebody else, whatever it is, whether it's a movie or you're in a band together or you're trying to write something or you're whatever whatever you're making yeah. together, at some point if you're if you're if you're doing it with multiple people, there's gonna be a disagreement. And sometimes disagreements are easy, you're like, Oh yeah, okay, I can see it that way, fine. But sometimes disagreements are like, I don't know how you're not seeing it the way that I'm seeing it. What you're saying is clearly worse and what I'm saying is clearly better. How do you resolve it? I mean, most of the time, there is a logical answer, and we debate it, and one of us thinks the other side is right over more so than the other, and we debate it and come to a conclusion. Sometimes, Often you can do more than one thing in film, yeah, which is Which lovely. is really nice. Like, right. it's, it's and the decide nice, later in the Yeah, editing. it's like the nice thing that, and, you know, and, and usually our debates aren't like, should this end in a plane crash or should this end in the center of the earth? Usually it's like, we're in a hospital room and here's three options. Well, right. Or the truth is, like, if we have a big disagreement over something then we don't do it like there's been uh, movies where like one of us is like i think we should write this and the other's like i don't want to write that and then we're like then we shouldn't yeah, okay. <laughs> um, and you know which is fine like i think like if it seems like there's a disagreement that is fundamental then we both would rather not pursue it, it it's like you know? a, it's That's like a, it's like our right. team's litmus test yeah. if we both aren't enthusiastic it's not good enough. you want your unanim- unanimous yeah and we are right. both very okay with that like there's been i mean there's a thing right now like there's been a few things where yeah, like, and there's some things that like yeah. one of us cared about a lot, and the other one was like, "Nah, can't do it, man." Yeah, and like, and it's hard. You want to do it for the other person, but when right. you can't, you can't. And there is even projects that we're producing where like one of us for sure is more interested in it than the other. But that's what's also nice about producing is that we can, we we do have avenues to kind of indulge in creative endeavors that the other person and that's, isn't as and that's new. Interested? In, we didn't have know? that until recently because we didn't have the bandwidth at our company. Like when we were, initial, yeah. like until the last two years I would say that wasn't on the table yeah. and now it is and it's fun but we still focus mostly on what we do together exactly right. yeah so if there's like a very fundamental disagreement we don't do it and then I mean it's a funny question because again I think people like to blur the lines between how you deal with people socially and how you deal with people professionally but it's asking it's like asking like you're friends with you you and Evan are friends what right. if you disagree about something yeah you, you like what happens like yeah. you figure it out you yeah. talk like it doesn't very rare like and I get how it's a little different when you're coming up with a movie but the truth is like when you disagree you talk about it until you realize one is right and one is wrong or you find a way to satisfy both people or you um, one person often just cares way more we find just like yeah. in real life like yeah. you just see like so, oh uh, like like he really doesn't like this idea and I yeah. only kind of like it so yeah. let's just go with that you know and because mm-hmm. that might also mean something like maybe he's just like tapping into something about it that I'm not seeing and it's not being articulated but just like it's giving him a feeling that is much stronger than the feeling I have that is the opposite of that feeling and yeah. what, what, one thing we say a lot is just like one of us will just be like I don't care enough to even keep arguing this anymore and, right. and, and, and that the other, ends it. and the right. other person generally does care enough to keep arguing it which means right. that they feel stronger about it which means maybe they're right you know or there's something about the way they're looking at it that the other person isn't seeing also yeah. to add to all of that is 
the worst thing that can happen is to have like lingering resentment. Exactly. Yeah. So like we can't just be like, fine, well then do what you want, man. Like it needs yeah, to be exactly. like, <laughs> yeah. it needs to at worst be like, you know what? You care more. Yeah. And yeah. like I, there's when you have to be willing to let it go. Yes. And not because harbor that resentment. There is nothing I hate more than like a movie being finished and something not being good about it and someone being like, well, I always thought that was wrong. Uh, yeah, like I'm is. like, I've fucking <laughs> gone off on people for that where it's just like, oh, like I, that is the worst thing you could say to someone is like, really? Oh, you knew we were making yeah. a mistake this whole time and you just kept it to yourself or didn't think it was worth bringing up more than those two or three times you brought it up? Like, mm. keep bringing it it up forever right <laughs> like i should have he bring it up last week you know like just keep keep bringing it up and then you have to have that kind of respect for each other and go in with the premise of like i want this to be a collaboration between all of these people not just myself because i think for for a lot of people and myself included sometimes being creative is about getting my thing out like yeah. getting whatever's going on in my head i want to put it out there and like the the notion of I don't care enough about this to keep arguing it, it feels like I don't know it doesn't even make sense to me I don't know yeah. that I could say that I I definitely could say that sometimes in certain contexts when I'm working on a collaborative project but I, I feel like for a lot of people I don't know that they ever really get to that place it's always like no, this is my thing yeah well I think like for everybody like being specific to us again like when we're arguing something like you do get heated because you're like no no i need to get my thing out right and you're messing my thing up and i know my thing is right but people are just wrong a lot yeah and like i don't know my thing is right so like your your, your ego does get a little hot because you want your thing to become real so badly and you know it's right and you know it's good but mm -hmm. from working together so long we just know that well, like yeah. <laughs> it's not the case you're probably right like 30 percent of the time but yeah. like you're not nearly as right as you think you are. But it and is that's different. Hat is but, a but, valuable but, kernel. But, You're but, not <laughs> as right as you think you are. <laughs> you but are. We, whoever you are, you are. But is. I would say <laughs> we, like, we, we deal with each other very differently than we deal with other, like, we as a unit deal with other writers exactly like that. Uh -huh. Like, we get defensive and, and uh, you know, like, I think when it's, when we are disagreeing about something, we know that it's in service overall of our vision. And I think we've made enough things together that Got we it. know when our vision is served, I'm using quotation marks, um, is like we will both we be will happy, both be very happy, you know, yeah. and it will yeah. be representative of our sensibilities. And and never have we made something ever where I'm like, we nailed it. And Evan's like, nope, like it could have been better. <laughs> like, I think like we feel very, very similarly about everything we've made together. And right. I think like the things that we think could have been better, we are on the same page on. And the things that we're like, yeah, we fucking nailed that shit. We feel the same way about that too, you know? Because well, at the um, end of the day, I'd rather make stuff, period, than make stuff how I want it. Yeah. Uh -huh. Like, I want to make stuff. Yeah. And specific to us, like, I'd rather make stuff together even than stuff alone. But even when I'm working with someone who isn't set, like, I just want to make stuff. And if the collaboration is going to make those things real sooner, then I'm in for collaboration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we do get 
I think like we are much we're easier with each other than we are with other people, I think, in some ways, because we trust each other more than we do the whoever person X who we are dealing with. Well, but, but there's also a flip unless side. it's their the, thing. Yeah, there's yes. a flip side to that. Like using the most current example of our show, The Boys, that just came out with Eric Kripke, like that guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. We're there right. to help him make his vision, but it's his vision, and like we're never gonna be like, You can't end the season that way, man. We'll right. be like, Well, maybe do this, maybe do that. But like some people they do they got a no, vision it's more, and they can do it and it's great. And uh-huh. it's one and, and it's funny because like we never even had anything that specifically bad, but like for a little while we were directing TV pilots that other people were writing, basically. And uh-huh. like I found that to be just stressful because all of a sudden it wasn't just our thing, you know, and we were uh-huh. well, it, it was it, a collab- well, it wouldn't be stressful if we were the overlords of it all and could but just we were, tell them yeah. tell them what to do. And like technically as the executive producers, we might be above a showrunner, but like they live there and we visit a lot. Exactly. And like yeah. it's not cool to be like, I know you worked on this for four years, but this is how the series will end. And like, it was a new thing that right I hadn't thing. been dealing with for a while, which was like like what you're saying is right though. Like the thing if you asked me like five years ago, like what stresses you out more than anything, I'd be like, it's fear of people fucking with my shit, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like that we have like a thing that we know will work and people it should just shut up and let us do that thing <laughs> and not try to fuck with that thing. Um, that I don't worry about that that often. I worry about the marketing and stuff like that more so, but like the actual product itself, I have that I think we've created an infrastructure around ourselves where we we can basically do whatever we want. And like I've learned that that is like not a good thing to use my stress on because very rarely, would I look back and be like, they fucked with my shit. There was a lot of moments where it's like, it seems like they might fuck with our shit, but in the end, they didn't. Like, we were able to protect our shit to a degree that is satisfactory. Um, So, (laughs) (laughs) but I do agree that, like, that that was a big fear, but but now, like, thank God that is not a thing that I worry about that much anymore. But, okay, so the the them in that thought is... Not between the two of you. No, it's the never. two of you acting as a unit, yes. and then there's others. Okay, so I want to talk about this. So we've talked a bit about how the two of you collaborate, mm-hmm. which is this kind of special as yeah. a unit thing. And it is like a unique, like it's one of those things. Again, as we've gotten older, like it is a unique collaboration that is. Yeah, I don't. You know, I don't know. Pretty. I can make like. I can think of one other husband and wife team that kind of operated that way. Yeah, Chris and Phil Chris operate and Phil. similarly. Oh, also. I think okay. Dayton, Dayton and Ferris. I've never seen them work. Yeah, I think they're, they're married. Oh, yeah. Very yeah. similar thing. Yeah, like they're. they're I was they're, thinking of Bonnie and Terry Turner, who made Wayne's World and Third Rock from the Sun. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure they. Uh, that's they, great. That's uh, how they did it. Yeah, there's a few. There's a few other ones. A lot of them are husbands and wives or siblings. Right. Weirdly, right. <laughs> we're probably we're we're somewhere in between. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and Another so, nice benefit of all this, just on a quick side note, is we always talk about how. We think we have strong marriages because we essentially already did one with each other. Yeah, <laughs> like we've we've been a twenty-two-year-old partnership. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I do think my marriage are... is seven years old. Yeah, exactly. Right. There, right. There's a few things that are also like we're very like forgiving of one another. We we have very similar attitudes towards work in a lot of ways. Like I think it ebbs and flows at times, but that's another thing that happens is like there'll be times when I just want to work more and he doesn't and there'll be times where that's the opposite is kind of happening, you know? And we're And a very both- we can take a very long-term strategy where I literally in my head I'm like if I don't do as well as I should for a year, yeah. Seth will pick up my slack yeah. and I will make it up later. 
I think a lot of teams develop resentment towards one another, and I think if there's like one fundamental thing that has been <laughs> the reason that we have not imploded, it's that we do not have resentment towards how, how, one another. How do you prevent yourself I think because from... we are wildly honest with one another and how we are feeling and have uh, been for 25 some odd years. Well, yeah, you know? like I think both of us our whole lives are have been taught by different people that like like when someone says to me like how you doing man and i'm not doing well i say i'm not doing well right. yeah and, and a lot of people a lot of people don't do that yeah. and like when i'm if someone's like how are you and i'm anxious i say i'm anxious yeah. and then usually <laughs> they help me become less anxious uh-huh. and and it's just these little lies that people do that eat away at the truth that hurt it like seth and i have a million people are like do you have big arguments it's like no we have a billion little arguments right yeah. and they like get out their truth Right, you you don't have to build up to the big argument because you've nipped it in the bud. In real by being time, we're like, throughout. that's not good. Don't do that. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't like that. Like, yeah. and in little moments, yeah, there'll be little things like, oh, you're going on vacation, then that's not cool. Oh, well, I have to. Okay, fine. Yeah, <laughs> we did it. Like, and on any other team would like not say anything, and then they would they'd be resentful, yeah. and then three years later they'd be like, you took these five yeah. vacations, <laughs> you ruined everything, and like like that. Like we we don't allow that to happen <laughs> and and you don't allow that to happen uh with each other what about how do you have that level of honesty with other people who you're not necessarily so close with we try i feel like actually like, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell a story like because i i feel like lucky enough to have sort of been invited into y'all's circle and i remember lucky to have you <laughs> i remember the when it happened because you called me up for 50 50 uh-huh for a you know an unfortunate reason, might, might I say before you continue that that being our first movie, if you hadn't if this hadn't happened, we may not have had a production company. No, it's very true. <laughs> it for was, real, it, it would have been such a blow to us. We may never have been yeah. able to fully head the production for context. Movie yeah, like it was our first movie we were producing fifty fifty. We had another actor, yeah. and we, we bet everything yeah. on the movie, and we all we put all, we put all of our reputation. And like, it was not easy to get them to just let yeah. us make a movie with yeah. us as the head people. Right. Um, yeah, and the other actor left for a family emergency, and Joe came in with like three days notice, yeah, and then we just started filming. And thank God, like, and it couldn't. Everything turned out with the other actor fine, thank God, and his emergency turned out okay. And yeah. like, if I could remove that element of it, then everything yeah. went exactly how I could have hoped it would have gone. Like, the movie is perfect, and you were perfect in it, and it, it couldn't have turned out like I look at it now and can't even imagine it any other way. But it was like, it was one of those things where it was the first movie we were producing, and it was to this date probably the hardest thing we've ever had to deal with as producers in a lot of way. Right. And it happened like with the week one of the first movie we were producing. Right. And thank God, dude, you like you really saved us. It was one of those things where we're like, holy shit! Like, well, thank God, yeah, yeah I'm, it was a huge, wonderful thing for yeah. me too. And I, I mean, I just happened to have the time to do it right yeah. then. But I remember you guys called and said. Hey, there's this emergency. Can you maybe do this yep. at a moment's notice? And sent me the script, and I read it, and flew up to Vancouver that night. Yeah, and so this I think does speak to sort of the combination between professional relationships and personal relationships. Yeah. <laughs> because what I remember is, and this is now I don't know eight nine years ago or something. Yeah. What I remember is. I sat down with you guys and uh, John, who directed the movie, uh-huh. John Levine, and we had a good, smart, relatively normal 
professional meeting yes, a, that at his an apartment. actor would have <laughs> with a director and the two producers of the movie. Yeah. And then after not that long, like no. a normal meeting 45 time, minutes an yeah, hour. Whatever, <laughs> it was like, now we're going to go up on the roof and smoke a joint. Smoke weed for hours. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. That's not normally what I do when I uh, meet the director and producers of the movie for the first time. But cool, let's do it. And then we went and did that. And it was up there on the roof, and I don't, I don't know how much the marijuana played a part of it, but it was some, some part of it. That's when it became clear, like, oh, this is, this is going to be a really special movie, and I'm like, this is going to be fucking great. Yeah. Uh, so, we felt the same way. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I, I that, remember saying to you because we say this to people a lot these days, and then, which is, uh, this weed is strong, be careful. Right. And you were like... <laughs> I smoke weed. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know I know how to smoke weed. I think one of the best quotes I who the uh, I read about like movies and scripts and this speaks to that was like a screenplay is not a work of art. A screenplay is an invitation to collaborate on a work of art. Yep. And to that end, like you want to collaborate with people you get along with. And in yep. the world where our lives are spent making movies, it takes months to make a movie all day every day. You barely see your family, you yeah. barely see your girlfriend, your wife, your boyfriend, whoever. Like, it was one of those things where, like, I, I remember a very long time ago being like, oh, I can't just put all my happiness on the product. I can't just be like, yeah, I sludged through the making of the movies, but, like, when it's done and that weekend, like, I actually hate that part more than anything now. Like, yes. now if you told me, like, they never have to come out, I'd be like, fantastic. Yeah. I'll just make movies. Like, yeah. that's the part I really enjoy, and I enjoy having... I enjoy, like, years later, like, that the movie exists culturally and that people can look at it. Yeah. But I am never happy when our movies are, like, being released into the world, basically. No, it's like, the worst it's, it's part. A it's like birth. I mean, it, I think, like, birth is, like, birth is painful no matter what. Like, <laughs> And I think that it's like that. So, like, we only want to work with people that we enjoy working with in a true sense of the word, not just thinking a good product will come from it, but thinking that, like, the experience itself is, like, rewarding and gratifying in, like, a moment-to-moment basis for 14 hours a day, you know, for 30 days straight, you know? Because uh, that is an important thing. Like, who should I collaborate with? People you get along? Yeah, I so think, like... Uh, go up on the roof and smoke, smoke a joint. With yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Not but, everyone I mean, smokes weed, though. <laughs> to, be, to be, like, productive about the advice to give there, I think that, like, first and foremost, someone who will finish with you. Yeah. That mm -hmm. is the key. That is the main reason me and Seth wrote Superbad together. It's because, like... We watched some crummy movie that honestly we don't remember the name of one night, and we looked at each other and we're like, we could do better than this. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and like in that moment, we both were like, we're going to do this. And we went upstairs and we opened up the Word document and didn't know how to write a script, so just came up with a format in our heads uh -huh. and started. And it was clear by the end of like that night or soon after that like we both were actually going to finish it. Yeah, I think like work mm. ethic is something that like people probably don't like to talk about when talking about making movies and these kinds of things because it's the in creativity in general because it's like the least fun part of it yeah. but i think like a lot of people just don't have a good work ethic and don't yeah not, and it's, hard, it's it's not to know? say like we're like chipping away non-stop every day but we do tend to work longer and harder than some but if i you know if i can like i like to wake up and have a mellower morning and do writing for two hours and then go for a walk. But if I don't have the time, I sit down for 12 hours and write and bang my head against the wall. Yeah. And I do the the more European version, shall I say, when I have the time. Yeah. But when I don't, 
I, yeah. <laughs> I get down and I just work my ass off. And yeah. sometimes, like, I remember one night on Sausage Party, we just had to finish something, period, by 7 a.m. the next day. So we all stayed in the office, Kyle Ariel, me, Seth, and Alex McAtee, one of our producers, and we just rewrote, and, like, we were getting, like, five good minutes an hour of writing. But we just had no choice, and we kept going. And it was also, like, that on-set thing where, like, it was painful, and then it became fun because we all lost our minds. Right. And yeah. wrote some of the worst stuff of our lives that we threw. The last two hours were complete garbage. We but. wrote some terrible jokes, but we fundamentally <laughs> fixed a big problem with the movie. <laughs> okay, but you said that. So by the first, by the end of the first night that you guys were trying to write the script for Super Bad, you somehow knew we're going to finish this. What is it that you? How did you recognize that? Because I, I think literally the fact that one of us was probably like, "Should we do this again tomorrow?" And the other was like, "Yep." Like at that age. Again, 99% of people would spend two hours trying to write a movie and then be like, all right, we did right. it. Let's go fucking do anything else yeah. that a 13-year-old kid should probably be doing. Um, but we were like, should we do this again tomorrow? Yeah. Then should we do it again tomorrow? Yeah. And then it got to the point where, like, it's all we wanted to do. Like, we weirdly couldn't wait for school to end so we could go back to his house and write super bad. It also made a big difference that my mom was literally always just like, what are you doing? Go play. And yeah. I was like, we're 16 at this yeah. point. Like <laughs> the whole time we were writing, she was just like, what are you doing? Go outside and play. But Seth's mom bought us final draft. And that was like a game changer. Yeah. Oh, wow. A, right. An adult spent what must've been 150 bucks at the time, which is a lot for a computer program yeah. Yeah. so that we could, Right. right. And I've never, I don't, I don't know if I ever had an adult like spend a chunk of money and go out and get something and give it to me just so I can chase like a hobby. Yeah. Right. It, and it made it all feel so like official and it made it like, and it is still like, it's like a real like tool of the trade. Like it's still, it, is, it's yeah. like learning how to use something that's so specific at such a young age, like, it, it really made us feel like writers, and it looked like a movie. And I like This does remind me of a funny thing that happened last year where something wasn't working for us on Final Draft, and we freaked out. We were we were being jerks. We freaked out and called the people at Final Draft and kept being like, we want to talk to the person above you. Yeah. We are like, tell them it's Seth and Evan, and they're fucking sick of it, and we're not going to use Final Draft, and they don't fix this shit because we had, like, a deadline, and we just lost our mind. It did work, though. We'll go to movie magic. We don't yeah, give a fuck. Yeah. the number of, like, the person <laughs> <laughs> now, I, now I can just text him and be like, it keeps like deleting my stage directions. <laughs> and they fixed it, and we still use Final Draft, <laughs> and we like that. All right, uh, how yeah. about um, how about notes? And uh, and I guess this is also different between the two of you versus others when you're giving notes to others. And this this is a similar, I guess, question to disagreement, but but different. Like if it's not necessarily disagree, but just Someone's done something, they've contributed something, whatever it is, and you have notes, meaning you yeah. think there's room for improvement. Yeah. How do you how do you do that in such a way that people don't get offended, that it that it's actually useful? Well, I, I mean that, I mean the first thing is be polite. Yeah. Re really. Like, you know, like uh, often I'll write notes where I'm like, this is shit, this is stupid, and then I go back and rewrite it before I send it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I like to say what I feel honestly as I'm writing the notes and then at this point, with we have assistants, and we'll send it to our assistants, and she'll be like, okay, like here's the five things that you said that are way too harsh. Uh -huh. Let's tweak those, and then we can send off the notes. But it's it's also just like it's person by person. Like yeah. there's some people we can send the note to where it's like, this scene is shit. You blew it. Yeah. And there's other <laughs> some people, people. want that. Some, some people, some people yeah. like, like almost need it. And some yeah. people like they would go ballistic or crumble if you said that. Yes. And some people take notes from one of us better than the other, which is a really funny thing. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Do you guys talk about that? Oh, yeah. There's, there's literally, a there, directing there, there was an actor recently who like, 
hated me. Like literally <laughs> every time I tried to talk to him, he'd look at me like I like hit his kid or something. Yeah. Like it was deeply uh, disturbing. So and I'm Which like, never usually, I'm it's usually like, it's, it's, it's always, it's always the opposite. Oh, he looked at me with like vitriol. And I remember we started to think like, does he not think you're the director too? So we yeah. would say all this stuff just to make sure. So like me and Evan, the directors, and yeah. then we're just like, oh no, he knows who you are. He just doesn't like you. Like, it was, and it there's was some, really there, and another thing that happens a lot is some <laughs> actors don't like, even though we're both directors or the writers of something they don't want their fellow actor in the scene to like turn to them yeah yeah some actors and some yeah, don't, don't care some yeah. some like how easy it is that they have someone helping them remember stuff beside them but some don't want that some yeah. don't like me yeah they're like they're like yeah they feel like the actor should be one thing and the director should be another thing and you could tell that even though they knew what they got into there's like some like mental fissure <laughs> occurring at the thought yeah. of that like the other actor in the scene might be like okay you know what you could do better yeah, yeah. Like, do that. they're like whoa right. wait a minute <laughs> and, and and applying to that and applying to everything we've discussed like you know, I, I, I've said a lot of stuff about being professional and doing your job when you have to, but it also is art. And, like, people want to be in a good headspace to do art. So if, like, an actor would prefer one of us talk to them, fine. Yeah. yeah. Whatever puts them in a good space to and do what they do And some actor, best. like, we have an actor on one of our TV shows that we produce, and, like, the only thing we tell every director is, like, don't lie to this person. Like, <laughs> yeah. like don't soft sell it. If they're blowing it, tell them. If they are way off the mark... Tell them. Is that the like, wait? Are you saying that's the case with everybody? Or no, I'm saying like only it's, certain it, people need that. Literally, there's one actor on one of our TV shows where like the the warning we give to every director who works on the show is like everyone else. You can kind of soft sell and be like, okay, it's pretty good, but you know what would help that with this one person? Don't say that. Right. Say it's really not working, and yeah. here's why. <laughs> like because if you don't, they will instantly feel like you're lying to them, and they'll clue into it, and they won't trust you, and it will all just come crashing down. Oh, that's funny. I had a relationship yeah. with a director whose name I won't say that I had to be that brutal, but for a different reason. It was just, yeah. <laughs> this person just like to fight. Yeah, some that's people. Just yeah. how they that's, communicate. That's and also a part of this other person's dynamic. Yeah, if, you I would say. if you weren't fighting with this director, feel real, yeah. then they weren't really taking what? your taking yeah. you seriously. What, 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 Friction do you, makes do, fire. Do, do you, think, a, do you think it was that they they needed to fight to prove their dominance or that they needed to fight to prove that they tried hard enough? Or that, like, unless there was conflict, they didn't know if the idea was good enough. That's some people <laughs> we find is, like, it, like a funny expression we say all the time is friction makes fire is how we've reduced that. Is yeah. like, some people, I think, truly think friction makes fire. Like, that without friction, you yes. aren't getting the truly <laughs> that combustible is, that material is what, that is, you that need. That is this director, yeah. and, it, and, it, and, and this person's work is very sort of combustive. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's a strength. But, uh, yeah. I, they think friction Makes fire. doesn't <laughs> register as important unless yeah. there are other ways to make fire than friction. <laughs> I completely agree. With I had a really yeah. weird one with there was an actress on one of our movies who like wasn't doing what we needed, and I like got into it with her, and it started normal. It was a whole evening journey, and then she got mad at me, and I got mad at her, and eventually we got. And then at the end of it all, she just went, "You got me there." And, and we I was like, like yeah. wait, what? Yeah, what? Yeah, like, yeah. we didn't we, we didn't realize we were playing some weird fucking <laughs> game where we were, like, getting you. Like, just go there. Yeah. Show up. Arrive <laughs> there. <laughs> and then we will we'll help you figure out maybe what to do now that you're there. But, like, yeah, that was a thing we had never experienced that was, that before. Was, that was shocking. Yeah, it was so weird. But we got her there. Yeah, I think. But it's so, different. Like, it, I think then some directors want to be able to take credit for 
getting getting the people there. there. Yes, oh. for sure. Yes, I've, uh, I've I've worked with those people too in small never, capacities. Never, never really thought of that. Sometimes yeah. I'll show up and be like. I'm there. God, I don't I mean, need I'm any there. Of this. I arrived there. You don't yeah. know. Like, sometimes I'm just like, I don't need any of this. So yeah. Like, just tell me what you yeah. want me to do. Yeah, like, exactly. don't like. I'm I'm very on board. Like, I make movies. Just tell me what you want it to look. Uh, tell me where you want me to stand. Where yeah. you want me to look. I, like, I'm more than happy to just do. Like, that's another game that happens. Is like people are like, how do I slowly nudge them into doing the thing? And that's always like what I what I what I also tell. It's funny because we run the we have these TV shows we produce. So a lot we we have these directors who direct the episodes and we directed the pilots for almost all these shows. So we kind of like set the tone for them and like everyone is different. But one of the things we say to a lot of the directors is like the actors by now get the show. So you can explain right. to them like the final result you are hoping. Like we want it to be one of those shots where you stand yeah. and look up and we push in and the lightning strikes behind yeah. you yeah. and you say the badass line and we cut to commercial. Like just say that. They get it. Yeah. They At this point you don't have to like come up with some weird character. Like they know the characters. They get what's happening. Like just well, that, explain that, what you Super, want it to look like that is one show. of the oddities of <laughs> yeah. television where we came to television from film in film usually the director knows the characters better than the actors at first mm-hmm. but in tv the actors know the characters better than pretty Anybody. much everybody yeah, right and, especially and after it, like three years you're just like they they got this like yeah. just explain what you want it to be like and they'll get there but i like but everyone's different. Like another thing we try to be respectful of is at the end of the day, who is spending the most time and energy on the thing. That's basically. a that's a good test. Like because there are TV shows, like Emma was saying, like where we have strong opinions, but the showrunner is the person who's like, you are spending like all day every day for the next eight months on this. This is one for us of like twenty things well, we're and, doing. And, and, so like, and you also know what? To that, you win. Like it, right. you should be happier than us with this. And like, you know? when, like whenever we debate something, like it's not just about the logic; it's about like emotionally, like whether you're right or wrong. Are you going to feel okay after this? Yeah. And and that applies to all these people we work with in TV and in other movies. Like we want them to feel okay after. But so there that is no so right. That, so that they'll work with us. But again. I also think yeah. that's where, like we were saying, like I think our partnership has helped our marriages. And I think our marriages have helped like what you learn very quickly with being married is like there is no right or wrong. Like mm. you can like it doesn't matter. Like just because you win an argument, it doesn't mean you're right or it doesn't yeah. mean that or the other person's feelings. Aren't yeah. Valid. Or, or oh, that yeah. it doesn't the, matter. Yeah. The, the worst like, argument I've had in years was the only one where I was like, God damn it. I'm going to prove to her I'm right. Yeah. It was the only yeah. argument we've had where I was like, screw everything. I'm going to yeah. prove I'm right this time. Yeah. <laughs> but like it, it, usually it just it doesn't matter. Like, fine, I proved I'm right. But we're both upset said yeah. i said terrible things in the process i like and, and so that's another thing i think that we try to apply to these dynamics is like a there is no right or wrong especially with movies and television and all that like there's opinion it's art like there's no objective truth when it comes to any of this stuff yeah. all there is is do the people involved feel as though the work is a true reflection of what they want to be putting out into the world or like is an expression of their tastes and sensibilities, you know? And that's the thing that we try to be respectful of is like, if it's us, if it's our thing, if we're the ones who've spent years thinking of it and we're directing it or writing it and we're going to spend months in an editing room all day, every day, then yeah, it should reflect us. If we're the producers, but someone else is the one doing all that, 
it should probably reflect them. Yeah. And like, we'll be honest. And there are things with our shows where it's like, or movies we've made where it's like, I always thought that was a bad idea. And I would always tell people like, I still think that was a bad idea, yeah. but it's your thing. So go do it, you know? And it, that's actually something that Judd very kindly, like, it's funny. Cause I was like a writer uh, on Undeclared and Judd Apatow as the showrunner treated me you know, like a writer, like who was a cocky kid. And his, like he would, I mean, talking about giving the more unfiltered notes, like he would literally give you what he was scribbling down during like the table read. So literally just like right. the word like no with like three right. exclamation marks <laughs> would be like scrawled across a page. You're just like boo with yeah. like big letters, just like ah, like just like visceral reactions to the jokes. So I remember being like, oh, like this is brutal and tough. And I remember asking him like, so do I have to to listen to this? He's like, yes, it's my show. You have to listen to everything I say. Like, you can't choose not to take these notes. You have to do them. Right. And then, kind of parallel to that, we were writing Super Bad, and that dynamic was totally different. And he was the producer of the movie, and he'd be like, I think you should do this, but it's your movie. So right. do whatever you want. Like, right. it's different than the show. The show's my show. I'm the one who works on the show all day, every day. This is your movie. You're the ones who have been working on it for years and will continue working on it for years. You're the writers. I'm the producer. Do what you want to do. And, like, we really kept that. Like, because yeah. I just remember being so – it made sense and I was so happy about it. I was like, oh, like, I get it. I'm more, I should listen to you for this. It's your thing. And – and we can do whatever the fuck we want with this because it's our thing. I guess know? that is an important thing to establish when you're collaborating is whose is this? Exactly. Is, I think yeah. who, And that has been the thing that only very rare – John Levine, honestly, is the only person that we have had very successful collaborations with when it is not clear whose it is. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're right because like, it wasn't clear on 50-50. No, or the night before, it was honestly. Very, it was a very and, sort of, as they I, say, like, uh, yeah. and I think decentralized the, organization. And I think, like, I think the night before turned out fantastically, like, especially since it was a movie that, like, there was – it was kind of all of us, you know, yeah. like it was really just like a group of people doing it. Like yeah. he was the director, but like other, like me and Evan and Kyle and Ariel spent a lot of time writing it. You yeah. spent a lot of time yeah. writing yeah. it. <laughs> like, uh, like you can like we, we all had a lot of authorship over our characters and the plot. And like, it's hard to do that. And sometimes whose it is can be a large group of people. Like Sausage Party, I think almost more than anything, was like mine and Evans and Kyle's and Ariel's. And right. it like we had directors, but it was ours more than it was theirs in many ways, mm -hmm. I think. Like and we, the four of us, had such a cohesive vision right. that we were like one thing, basically, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was the most like supernaturally synced up we've ever been on anything. But yeah, I think like being respectful of who is spending the most time and energy on the thing and who will be the most bummed out. Again, when it comes back to like fucking with your shit, like who's going to feel like their shit has been the most fucked with? <laughs> <laughs> and then in, in situations like that, like, uh, like like uh, on Preacher with Sam Catlin, we'd run into situations where I would like heavily disagree with him. He would think he was doing the right thing. And for those big debates, often what I would say is like, can I call you to discuss just that? I strongly disagree with you and I want to like go at it hard. So like you can set the table for the harder conversations yeah, right. to say like like yeah, even in, in my marriage, like if I know I have a hard thing to talk about, I don't just turn to my wife. And I'm like, hey, you know what? Like I'll be like, hey, Tuesday, let's go. I want to discuss this with you and be able to discuss it honestly and openly. So like scheduling the harder creative disagreements is often I find 
very helpful. Oh, so like I, I would send Sam like a bunch of notes on an episode, but the one note where I was like, this one I'm going to need to talk loud and be passionate and maybe get a little upset about because I think it will matter. But ultimately, I'd concede to him. Right. I wanted to ask about collaboration outside of movies yeah. and and TV and show business, etc. You guys are moving into doing a company, Houseplant. Uh-huh. How is that different? Because with a with entrepreneurship, what you just said, Seth, actually about like ultimately a lot of this stuff is subjective. What makes a good movie, what yeah. you know, that that's kind of anybody's taste. Yeah. Whereas Running a company like that, yeah, 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 it's a bit more quantifiable. Yes. What's success and what's not success? Mm-hmm. Does that change the way that um, interpersonal collaboration happens on on in Houseplant within Houseplant? Well, Houseplant's in a unique situation in that regard, actually, and it, and it actually is more like a creative endeavor in a lot of ways because. The truth is, like, we are able to supply cannabis to Canada in a market where there isn't enough cannabis for the people of Canada. (laughs) So the actual quantifiable part of it is the easy part, honestly. Mm -hmm. The thing that we spend the most time on is how do we make this brand reflect us and our sensibilities and and something that we're proud of and something that we know, just like one of our movies, how do we make it that when people interact with our cannabis company, they feel like they know who we are as people a little bit better and, and what's important to us and and what our taste is and what you know all that kind of thing yeah, so like, like it, the, uh, it does kind of tie into our film stuff in the sense that like we we say often about the company that like the other weed companies that are coming out are faceless corporations and like groups of bankers and we are two guys and we're two guys and we're passionate about it and people know damn well that like if we stopped making money on houseplant we would keep going exactly we just care and it's like evident and we try to express that through our design and all the other elements of the brand and and there is actually something very rewarding and one of the things that we've loved is creating physical products like the fact that there's like movies are not physical things right while we're making them there are as many physical elements but in the result is not tangible in yeah. any way shape or form the mo- they used to be more tangible you get a few yeah. mugs at you, least, get a, you get a few yeah. like plastic party <laughs> you cups you would at least get a dvd or blu-ray before right. now right. you don't even get that like yeah. one day it just is on itunes or netflix or something like that you know um and 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 you physically have nothing yeah. and there's been <laughs> something that has been so rewarding about making these physical things but one of the things that is complicated about that is now we're dealing with all these things that we've never dealt with that is frustrating, which is like manufacturing and and regulations, federal regulations, guidelines. Right. Thing like one of the things I've we've really grown to appreciate is how like wonderfully unregulated films are in yeah, comparison to <laughs> selling cannabis, for example. You know, not to say there shouldn't be regulations, but it's just interesting to now enter a field where it's like. And it's a crop, like it's a plant. Like yeah, yeah. well, so the craziest thing is, of- is, is, is when we were trying to figure out which strains we should use and such. Yeah. There was a moment where we were like, "So, next steps on that?" And they were like, "Oh, we have to wait nine months." Yeah, yeah. it's like we got to grow more of it now to see what how. Like, like it's it, it, 
it, it's weird. Just th- that has been like I think we're we used never plan to, to get into the agriculture game. exactly. Yeah, like yeah. I think movies offer a certain pace that is very rewarding, and I think like even though they take forever, like you are like every day going to set and filming, and then you're seeing the result, and then and when you're editing, especially, it's like a very fast pace and gratification, and it, it has been interesting. Working with all these different fields of people in manufacturing and agriculture and in the Canadian government. I mean, like, we sell our weed to the Canadian government. And, and those are different interpersonal relationships, I imagine. You're not like going up to the rooftop and smoking a joint to see if, like, is this not, the person? Not yet. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Like, it seems close. Uh, one of them, their meeting room was room 420. Uh, <laughs> like, literally. Like, they, they, they get the joke, but it, it, it's fascinating. But is it different than, like, because the, the people that you serve? around yourselves with when you work on your movies are people no, you would want to hang well, out with. Funny, funny, one of the people who runs Houseplant with us is Evan's cousin, who I've right. known since I was 12 years old as well. And he worked and, in investment banking and real estate, and he's yeah. just a very adept businessman. Another right. He woman, seemed like the right yeah. person to run it with Another us. woman who right. runs... Okay, so because yeah. you could have found another banker businessman, yes. but well, you go, chose the person you we, yes, we chose him because time. he had the right skill yeah. set, but also because we just needed to trust this person. Yeah, right. We had to be able to trust this person. And another woman we hired... Uh, went to college with Evan, who I've also known since we were teenagers. And um, uh-huh. so, like, in forming the company, we went straight to people that we knew really, really well and that we liked and that we knew we'd be able to be honest but and there's open been, with. There's, um, there's been some fun growing pains figuring out just, like, people from financing, marketing, brand marketing, and film. Like, we speak different languages. Well, because, right. So there's been a very fun, creative kind of, like, I think uh, the re- syncing up of our different Well, methods. there is a constant thing of what you're talking about. Like, there is a recombobulation where we're constantly saying them, like, you guys don't get it. To us, this is a creative endeavor. And, right, like, we right. get it. Like, maybe we will sell less if we postpone because we aren't happy with how this package is looking. Mm-hmm. But if the package doesn't look how we want it to... The brand doesn't represent who we are, and we're not happy. And right. I'd rather sell less and have it look how I want it to look and right. be happy and feel like. Yeah, and there's a good and, back and, and forth. And that does not compute with an MBA. Well, it does eventually, but and like it, you and really and got and, there, and, there, and, there, and there's a give and take. You know, they're like, okay, we understand that, but in this category, like if we don't do this by this date, we will push this long. So like, because there's also a, there's sometimes a back and forth. we yeah, because it is also like, and just like with movies, sometimes you'll be like, we have to get this thing. It's gonna be the funniest thing ever, and you spend like five hours shooting it. You get to the end of your, you're like, nope, we were yeah, wrong. Yeah, that yeah. wasn't funny at all. <laughs> and it and and it is a similar exercise with this sometimes, where we like, it has to be like this. It has to be perfect. If this stripe isn't hitting this thing in the exact right color and the exact right angle, the whole thing sucks. We got we're pushing. It doesn't matter how many millions of dollars we lose. We got to push. And then we see it, we're just like, that eh, didn't matter. <laughs> no one would have noticed that in a million years. That was purely because I am a crazy person. <laughs> well, though, though, I'll say one of the reasons we all behaved a little crazy in that regard at the start is knowing that it's a physical product and that millions of them will exist. You just are like, it just has to be perfect and like yeah. you can't fix it with vfx and editing like once it's done it's out the door oh, and someone's no and, and every yeah. time we go back to canada we both buy tons of the product and 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 do our own looking at the boxes making sure they're assembled right and that they're working properly people people think it's very weird but like in my family i'll be like open this box in front of me yeah exactly and i, <laughs> I make them do that every with every product yeah it's it's very true 
Okay, uh, but so- no, we approached it very similarly. I think, if anything, we tried to kind of smush it into what we knew, which was like, right. it's easy to gauge success when your gauge of success is like, do I like this thing? And everything else is like really hypothetical, you know? And 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 that was a thing that we just kept telling our partners who are just from the business field is like, yeah, you can do testing and you can follow schools of thought that are like, well, people will like this and people, this appeals to this group of people, but that's all hypothetical. The only thing that's not hypothetical is like, do I like this thing? You know what you like. Yeah. And that's how we make our movies. It's just like, yeah. is it, would we watch this? And but, so but it's, it's important to add thing. to that, that that's where we start always with our movies. But as we work on the projects, we're constantly saying like, in the, what's the audience member's experience? And in the cannabis arena, we're doing the same thing where we're constantly saying, what's the consumer experience? So, like, we need to – first and foremost, we have to love it truly. Once that's accomplished, we've put a huge amount of thought into, like, what is the audience member in film or what is the consumer in cannabis going to experience and how will they enjoy or not enjoy it and how will they remember it and look back on it and how will they communicate it to other people? Yeah. I think people do get a true sense of joy when they can tell that the person who has made the thing they are consuming yes. truly loves that thing as much as you do. And 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 if they weren't the ones making it, they would be the first ones consuming it and buying it themselves, yeah. you know? And I think people get the sense of that from our products is like I think people see our movies and are like, oh, they – they like this, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like it might not be for everyone, but they see they probably very much enjoy this. And they were you know? having a genuine yeah. good time. And it's while they were born it. of a joyous expression. But so much know? of that, back through the lens of of this question, so much of that joyous experience is that you're enjoying the company of the people that you're doing it with yeah. while you're doing it, and that we truly like are on the same page. Like it really is. Like in those moments. We are could not be more in sync with one another and mm-hmm. could not be working more towards the same goal in a way that we have to like. Like, if we didn't like one another, we probably wouldn't be in so in sync. We probably wouldn't have such similar taste and such similar sensibility and such a similar work ethic. And, and it probably wouldn't create such a, like an experience that both created a good product and had this sense of joy that is like tangible somehow to the people watching the thing, you yeah. know? That's where, to answer the first question, I think, like, when you genuinely enjoy the people you're with, it does come across. But, like, like the night before, like, Michael Shannon, like, I couldn't have – I couldn't say three words to that guy <laughs> offset. Like, <laughs> that's true, he, like, that's true. Like, but those scenes are hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, they're, they're great scenes. Yeah. And they're, they're just as funny as anything, but, like, they are not predicated on me and Michael Shannon getting along with one another. <laughs> like, if anything, it's the opposite. Right. Like, but that being said, in those moments – me and Michael Shannon and Mackie and Michael Shannon and everyone, you and Michael yeah. Shannon could not have been more in sync. And, yeah. and in those moments, you're like, oh, we do like one another. We do get one another. And clearly we do because we are working towards the exact same thing, which is yeah. a thing we would both really like, you know. Um, and so those are funny moments where, like, you're working with somebody. You're like, oh, like, I didn't assume I would work with you this well because right. <laughs> everything says, like, we should hate one another, you know. <laughs> like, it, it is a really – it's a fascinating thing that happens sometimes. Yeah. What about when you're doing something that's not professional? When you're – like, for example, I remember towards the end of shooting Fifty Fifty, we, like, rented a band room 
and, oh, yeah. and uh, went and played music, which was obvious. We weren't recording anything that was going to come out or anything like that. It was purely just for the fun of it. Um, I know you do pottery. I sure so, do. And that's just like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that you're planning on selling any of it. Like Pottery, I guess, is just us. You're not collaborating with people when you do that. No, it's a pretty like singular uh, hobby, I would say. Is that part of why you think you're drawn to it? Is it it's just no, just I, you? I think I'm drawn to it because of again, I think it goes back to the tangibility. It is very meditative, a like, and I've always been drawn to hobbies. Like I had like a gardening phase, and like photography is something I was very into for a long time. Right, but. What is great about pottery is like you produce things yeah. like very fast, like like in an hour you could make like three vases. And yeah. like not only have you relaxed and kind of applied yourself to something, there is a tangible thing that right. comes out of it. And like I think that's something that like I've been chasing in some way. But uh, Evan for sure does more like team activities. Right, than like I do. we're playing music. Right, Evan that's, plays hockey and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also have a serious alone time thing. Yeah, I do. I do yoga alone in a sauna a lot. Yeah, right. For long, long periods of time. But so as far as like getting along with people personally and collaborating creatively, you probably wouldn't want to play music together with somebody that you didn't get along with personally. Well, I will say I have jammed with some people who like like I it, like the Michael Shannon comment with Seth like 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 I know them. We're not like we don't chat a ton, but then like musically something can sometimes happen. But I think I hear what you're saying. If I disliked that person, I think it would kill the mojo. There would be something right. I don't need to I guess I so I guess what I'm saying is I don't need to like them. I don't need to feel like joy when I see them or true friendship. If I dislike them, it would probably negatively affect musically right. what I would want to do. But if they're just a stranger, we can still we can still. Share. That's interesting. Then that is a way you're connecting to that person through the music that you're. Playing yeah, like I remember, to. like the first time I ever like really sat down and did anything with Kevin Corrigan was uh-huh. me, him, and David Crumholtz went and jammed. Yeah, yeah. and like him and Crumholtz <laughs> knew each other, and I he was he was going to be in Superbad soon, but he hadn't been yet. And like we said, like two words, and then jammed for four hours together, and it was lovely. Right. Is that a difference then? You're not caring about the results, and does that change the way that you're relating to the people? I mean, or? yeah. Well, if you get into music specifically, music is this like unbridled, raw, natural, especially joy jamming. Yeah, in when, when you when it's you, not you like jam you were recording or something. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's so in the moment. I guess it's similar to the pottery thing, where it's like it's it's you're there and you're doing it, and there's nothing else. And when you're jamming, like you can't even have a conversation with anyone. So I, I find it that that's like a special creative place, jamming, mm-hmm. because it's so hard to understand that creative connection with the other person it's it's mystifying to me like it is yeah. similar to when comedy to like i mean it is like to when improvisational comedy is going very very well right. like and i do think also like if you listen to you know i'm obsessed with this podcast how did this get made and to me those guys june uh, and paul and jason are like the equivalent of like three amazing jazz musicians who like can bring almost any musician into their band no matter their skill level and work around them with such skill that they will make it all sound incredible. I have basically. to listen to this podcast. Oh, they're, they're, dude. But they're, they're truly it's the funniest three, podcast ever. They're truly three of like the greatest improvisers and, and for me, I do their podcast all the time. You gotta go on it, man. It, like, yeah, I'd love I, to. Yeah. I love doing it because it feels 
probably like how it feels for a musician to get to play with like I, an amazing band. I have uh, done like, I have uh, done that show as well, and it is. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> like they're so in sync and they're so able to bring people into their thing that like it is like jamming and it is. It, it turns into this like thing where it, 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 it's like a it's well, like well, a like bizarrely set, amazing d- dynamic. Occurred. On set, the closest thing to jamming when we, like when we direct sometimes, uh, whether Seth is in the scene or not, like we'll have like a list of things that we've been tracking the whole time, and sometimes you don't have much time left, and you just have to like go 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 and get all these things to make sure you have it for editing, and you get into a flow. And especially on this is the end when we had so many people all the time working together again and again, it would get into like. It's such a lame phrase, but like a flow state kind of thing where everyone just like is going and grooving and it's just beautiful. Yeah, Yeah, when everyone really gets it. But I think – yeah, I think people – I mean, it's it, you were very good at it, and like I think a lot of people oh, are not. Like I think a lot of people aren't good at it, and it's tough. Like, and I think like I think it, you're good at it because you are an accepting human being. Like <laughs> you are, you, you you start with like kindness and acceptance usually, and so like that's important in improv comedy. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. like listening, being the worst thing you can do like, is shut someone down. Then it's just a disaster. Denial is against. But it's also like understanding it. social dynamic. A lot of people like when they improvise will all of a sudden like forego any and all normal social dynamics in the pursuit of like humor you know where it's just like oh I'll just start yelling at this person it's just like no you wouldn't do that in this situation (laughs) like that would turn the whole scene into about how you're yelling you know and like I think sensitivity is very important and like an an understanding but it is yeah it is similar I would imagine to playing music with people where like you can tell like oh the they like this this is good we lost them a bit we gotta get them back like yeah and there's also a similar thing that that connects between the two of them where like sometimes like this is the end is another good example like someone will be doing a run and like they should have stopped a bit ago, <laughs> but everyone lets them finish because the piece overall will do better if you just let them do it. Yeah, it's true. And it's like the same thing where like you're going down a bad musical path and you're like, he'll be done yeah. in like five bars exactly. and we can move on, Gotta get, get back on track. Because if we shake his confidence right now, we're all going to exactly. suffer. Right. We need them. It's very do you want to guess right. which actor I'm talking yeah. about? <laughs> Come on, do it. Uh, all right. Can I do one more thing? Of course. Sure. I've been all right. So th- these questions that spawn our conversations about the creative process, like I said, have been coming from people on the internet. We get a lot of questions that can spawn a whole conversation, and then we get some that are just off topic and weird. Which I've been enjoying asking one of those questions. AMA at the. Uh, it's, it is a bit like that. It's yeah. an AMA. Do it. Yeah. A-S- okay. ASA. So the off topic question. Uh, this is from. Uh, Rob Bashelia from Dayton, Ohio. Another great name. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, do you believe in intelligent alien life? If yes, any thoughts on why or why not they might be here? I'm going with been here. probably, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I, if I had to bet, I'd bet on something, but I don't know. I think so. What, what's, what, what you I mean th- anywhere in the universe or here on Earth? Wait, is the question here on Earth? Well, the question was, been, do you I, believe in intelligent life? If yes, what about them being If there here? is, in, well, if there's advanced intelligent life, then I would imagine that they have been here. But I don't, for any reason, have any reason to believe there's advanced intelligent life. I tend to believe that tech, societies get to a certain technological level and then either obliterate themselves or turn themselves into energy. 
You so, think that's where we're headed? Yeah, that is that's a theory. That's that's a theory that's as the to Fermi like paradox. why it's the Fermi we, paradox, yeah, why we yeah. have not encountered any other aliens. Is anyone capable of encountering us has blown themselves up, or or, or, or there's just one, or there's just one alien race that annihilates everyone when they get to a certain level, so yeah. that they'll not be threatening, or mm. there just has been aliens here. Like that's the other like it, apparently I think in like Brazil, for example, like their government just acknowledges aliens. Like yeah. they don't try to. They're like, yeah, there's all these UFO spottings all the time. We don't know. It's there was that article in the like, New York Times recently about yeah, it. Yeah, and there's this the recordings of like army jets or uh, yeah, fighter pilots exactly, like yeah. that have been released that yeah. are just like them being like, "What is that thing? That looks like a UFO." Like <laughs> yeah. these guys like yeah. fly top secret aircraft for a living. Like so, part of me thinks it's weird. I'm just it, I'm just super open to it. I think one of the pretty it, much weirdly it, like I think if anything has become clear over the last few years, it's that like people are like insanely adaptable and I think the knowledge that maybe there are aliens was not as earth shattering information to like the average person <laughs> as maybe we all thought it would be like I think we thought it would be this like global moment where everyone like convened together in like a park where like we live in a world with aliens but instead it almost just seems like if you look at most people they're like you think they're aliens they're like yeah probably oh, yeah. Like, it seems like it a lot of recordings and stuff they can't explain like but, uh, even the New York I, Times talks yeah. about it like, even NASA came out saying something like so i think like my my, are, my, yeah. my going theory though is that if there are aliens they are just that have come here it is in an energy state i don't think there's like a ship that like there's, lands. there's yeah. a lot of evidence that there are like ships that have been landing going I in and out of the ocean i haven't bought them yeah. I'm, I'm an energy guy i'm an energy guy specifically the ocean. you're an energy alien guy That's i'm more of, of a, i'm more if, of a purist saucer shaped <laughs> ship no but if there was a <laughs> ship that got here it would have had to have done something Different than what we understand from that's physics why I because say the energy. they would be traveling from such a distance. Well, that's what that, a lot, of, even these fighter pilot recordings and stuff. Like it seems as though these things move in a way that is unexplainable. Oh, you yeah. mean like energy? energy? Yeah. No, <laughs> but, uh, in, in a physical ball in a saucer, though. Maybe it's energy, energy shaped in a like saucer. a saucer. <laughs> Maybe it's I didn't say how the energy, energy was coming. Beings I'm just in committed a to saucer. this. That's uh, how we work well together. Yeah. <laughs> we just cohesively combined our and ideas. And that movie's getting made. Exactly. Energy saucer. Energy saucer coming soon. Boys, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Right on, Thanks man. Thanks for having us. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. Thanks for listening. Thank you to the guests this episode, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. A lot of fun getting to do this with them. Thank you to the folks who asked this week's questions, Pretence, Martin Southwell, and Rob Bachelia. Pretence uh, wrote his comment on Facebook, so you can find him under his name, his magnificent name, Pretence Martin Southwell. And Rob Bachelia, you can find on Twitter at Crazy Universe, and that's crazy with a K. If you want to ask a question, you can uh, email creativeprocessing at hitrecord.org, or just uh, use Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, use the hashtag creativeprocessing. And uh, speaking of hit record, if you want to dive into some collaborative art making inspired by some of the things that we talked about on this episode, go to hitrecord.org slash creative processing. We're not just chatting. We're making stuff together. The producers of the Creative Processing Podcast are Lexi Tankersley and Raymond Way, audio produced by Keir Schmidt. Thanks to Cadence 13 and everyone at the hit record office. And uh, that's it. Thanks again. <laughs>